Hello and welcome to the Baseball Wisconsin Podcast. I am your host, Tim Gotzler. Okay, so today's episode, we're in the fifth inning of Game 6. We're going to visit with the head baseball coach at St. Croix Falls, Matt Volt. Now, Coach Volt's team, um, they were 2022 runner-up. And in 2023, they were able to defeat Lacrosse Aquinas in the Division Three State Championship and bring the gold ball back to St. Croix Falls. And now, today's episode, to me, is a masterclass of someone who is um, running a phenomenal program. Um, he is, uh, you know, one thing that stands out to me is he's a question asker. He's one of those guys that if you see something in a program that he likes, he sees something online, he's reaching out. Um, you know, he's, he says it throughout the episode. You know, he learns and learns and learns, has that growth mindset, and is constantly finding ways to win. Sprinkle that in with the talent that they've had, uh, the way it runs. You know, he's born and raised in St. Croix Falls. A little bit different path into coaching than others, but also he talks about how that gave him an advantage and maybe a different perspective than some of uh, the other coaches across the state of Wisconsin. So you're going to love today's episode. want to say congrats again to St. Croix Falls um, a couple weekends ago. Uh, up at the state coaches clinic in February, I got to watch Matt, you know, win a bunch of awards and, you know, have a, a phenomenal weekend. You know, recapping 2023, got a chance to sit and talk with him as he's one of the association reps as well. Just a phenomenal coach, uh, does things right, easy guy to root for. So, without further ado, 2023 Division Three State Championship coach at St. Croix Falls, Matt Vold. Hey, coach, how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Tim? Awesome, buddy. Thanks for jumping on. Well, hey, for the listeners, just give us some background. Where'd you grow up? Um, little Start us in your baseball journey. Yeah, no worries. Uh, born and raised in St. Croix Falls, Wisconsin. Um, lucky enough to grow up in the small town here. Um, and then uh, pretty much uh, didn't really leave for a long time. Played in the youth organization all the way up through high school and um, got a chance to come back and teach in the district, coach in the district. And that's currently where I'm at right now, uh, coaching here in St. Croix Falls, Wisconsin. Awesome. Well, you know, so you graduate, you know, where does, where does the life take you next? Does it take you up to, where does it take you to college? Does your baseball continue? Tell us more about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was able to uh, graduate, like I said, from St. Croix Falls, had some success. Um, you know, our, my, our senior year, we uh, lost in the sectional semifinal to Altoona down in Prescott. And um, from there, I uh, um, was lucky enough to be able to, um, play baseball at the next level. Um, right away, I signed in the early signing period. I believe it was like early November back in 2010 um, to St. Cloud State University. Um, spent a little bit of time there. Quite honestly, early in my journey, I felt like I was kind of searching for a home, kind of a small town kid, had some success at the high school level, played at the WBCA All-Star Game and things like that. But um, once you go to the next level, I kind of just felt like I was searching for the right fit a little bit. Um, so I spent a little bit of time at St. Cloud State, Concordia St. Paul for a short little stint, and then really um, found a nice home at uh, UW, UW Superior. Um, we finished um, my senior year um, through when when we were in the WIAC. So um, was able to play in the WIAC in Wisconsin. Um, Eddie Morgan, who is now at Concordia, Wisconsin, um, was the coach for my first year there, and then he t um, went to Concordia, Wisconsin. So he kind of helped me get there and um, met a lot of great guys, made a lot of connections, really made it home. Um, and it was just, it was just a good place for me to finish. I appreciate you going into that. I mean, you, you know, baseball's taken you many places and the lessons learned along the way. And, but, you know, when you talk about your playing career, it, you know, I often have this theory that, 
the kind of player you were growing up in, you know, influences how you are as a coach and maybe you have a soft spot um, for the type of, of player that you were. So give us that scouting report. Like what kind of player were you? How were you wired? How did you get after the game? Yeah, no doubt. So um, I guess being here at a smaller school, um, you know, probably one of our better arms back then, uh, nothing like I've had actually in the couple, the last couple of years, but uh, primarily probably like our number one pitcher. Um, and then we kind of did back then where we'd flip and I would catch a lot and then I'd play some infield at the high school level. Um, and then in college, I really, I kind of took on that utility role as well. Um, pretty much got uh, signed or I guess, or, or recruited as an infielder, did a little bit of catching, um, but then really just kind of transitioned to third and second base. Um, and then my last two years at Superior as a junior and senior played uh, second base up the middle, pretty much hitting the two hole. Um, I guess my scouting report would be like very fundamental approach. Um, I was very big into like a throwing routine, um, a stretching routine, how I got myself ready to go, um, kind of some of that routine based things in the course of a game, um, you know, batting wise, um, offensively, just really didn't try to do too much, really inside out type of a swing. Um, I was really a good two strike hitter. I didn't mind getting two strikes. That's kind of where a lot of my uh, damage was done. I just would kind of stay inside the baseball and go the other way with it and, and try to move runners. Well, that's really helpful. I think, you know, everybody loves that type of kid on their team, just that tough grinder utility player, you know, and so often that guy becomes a coach and, you know, I'm, I'm looking at him right now. So like, obviously your playing career ends, you takes you on, you know, meet, meet these guys, play for coaches, have a, get your degree, you know, what launches you into coaching? Yeah. So I actually took kind of a different route, um, graduated from superior with an exercise science degree, um, and then from there, I went in over to St. Scholastica, did a one year's master's program in exercise physiology. I honestly was more in the strength and conditioning field. Um, so took that role. And then with that, you had to do some internships. So I did an internship at the University of Arizona for a little bit, uh, did an internship at the University of Wisconsin, um, really ranging from working with um, baseball to hockey, to basketball, to track, uh, softball, a lot of different sports. Um, so I came back home for a summer, was mowing grass at the local golf course, kind of waiting to see where my next spot was. Cause when you look at college athletics, you got to kind of do a lot of really crappy pay and a lot of kind of just put your time in, um, a job opened up in the PE department here as long as uh, I'm sorry, as long, as well as the baseball coach and uh, head baseball coach and, um, things just kind of worked out the way it did. And I applied and um, obviously it helped that I went to school here. Probably I knew a couple people and didn't make too many people mad. So <laughs> I had a pretty good rapport with a lot of my old teachers who I now work with currently. And um, that's where we're at starting year number six here. Well, that's incredible. You know, and I know talking with you, you know, you coach multiple different sports, obviously had baseball now for six years. Um, but you, you dip your toes into the football world, into the basketball world, and also obviously your strength conditioning background as well. So maybe like talk us through the lessons that you've learned coaching those other sports and how that influences you as a head baseball coach. Yeah, sure. A couple of things. Um, number one, I think with, with the strength and the conditioning field, you got to really be able to be visual and you, you got to be able to demo things like we all want to do as baseball coaches. So you got to be able to demo what you're looking for out of athletes, which has helped me with baseball. I think with football, this was actually my first year. I did not coach football as an assistant, um, which was a little bit different. 
Um, it was good, I guess, because I had more time on my hands to kind of get some of my personal things done. But um, I miss some of the interactions that you get from not always having to be um, the bad cop. And I'm not saying that's my role as a coach, but as a baseball coach, as a head guy, you write the lineup, right? Like you're not going to make all, all the uh, players happy. So I think I missed that part of being kind of the players coach in football, which helped me build relationships for when they come into baseball season. Um, and then taking a look at youth basketball, you know, you're working with seventh and eighth grade uh, boys basketball. So it's, there's a lot of emotions. There's a lot of uh, changing in, in how they interact on a daily basis. And you're just trying to rally them in every day. Um, so it's, it's helped me kind of take a step back, breathe a little bit, take my time, be a really good at explaining, this is what I want to see. These are my expectations. And this is what the outcome we're looking for. And then show them along the way, like, hey, if there's some growth and struggle happening, that's okay, because we're just trying to make you a better basketball player, for example. Um, and it just helps me build relationships with a lot of those younger kids that are hopefully going to be baseball players in our program someday as well. Well, and when I hear you talk about this, I mean, you have such a teacher's mindset. You know, you're always instructing. Like you said, you're demonstrating form, technique, a lift, a drill, the outcome of a drill, whatever it may be. And I have to imagine all those touch points throughout the school day, in the classroom, in the gym, those different sports. Do you find a lot of your kids are multi-sport athletes? I think I know the answer here, but also the like make a pitch for the kid who says, you know, I'm going to give up a secondary sport. I'm going to play one sport year round. You're a guy who lives in a multi-sport world. So, so, you know, what's the benefits of that? Yeah. So um, to, first of all, to answer your question, yeah, I mean, we're a very um, multi-sport district, for example. I mean, we have 353 students walking in our doors, nine through 12. So um, if we didn't have that, um, that would probably hurt our district, no doubt. I mean, our football team went to level four playoffs this year um, and we've had some success in our winter sports, um, hockey, football, or I'm sorry, hockey, wrestling and basketball and things like that. So we, we really, um, we need that throughout the course of the year because how the school year starts, we want that to continue to carry on throughout the rest of the year. Um, that being said, I think we're heading towards a thing where the one or two sport athletes, even in our size of school is, is becoming more of a popular thing, I guess you could say, or at least it's a hard decision for some kids and things like that. So you'd help navigate a little bit through it. I think you'd kind of talk about school pride, being a competitor and competing at the highest level, um, trying to stay away from burnout. I think those are some of your your key topics in talking to some of the kids of saying, hey, you know, like, you know, we'll offer an open gym, but it's not every day of the week and things like that for baseball, for example. So you want them, you know, that competitive nature, you want to keep pushing for um, them to compete and, and do the best job and represent the community and school the best they can. Well, and I think, you know, knowing the area that you're in a little bit, you know, when people hear a school of 350 kids, they think, well, it must be the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin. There must be no opportunities for kids. Tell us a little bit more about the surrounding area that you're in and some of the things you might be competing with and, you know, the club organizations and other things you got going on. Yeah. So really, we live in a unique area. Um, we're Wisconsin, but a lot of times, like I was just down in Dallas for the ABCA a couple of weeks ago and everyone goes, oh, you're from Wisconsin. And they all think, you know, we're southern part of the state. I mean, we're only an hour away from Minneapolis, St. Paul. So I think that's a lot of times where I try to tell people like on a map geography, like, hey, we are an hour away from Minneapolis, Minnesota. 
I mean, my house right now that I'm currently at right now, we're, I'm three minutes away from the Minnesota border. So um, that is a very unique place, um, especially in our area, because if you go north in our conference and things like that, it's a lot more rural. Um, you know, we're 30 minutes from Stillwater, Forest Lake, and some of our bigger suburb cities of uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul. So it, it gives kids a lot more opportunities to be involved in, in clubs, whether it's sports or extracurricular activities. Um, we see a lot more of our of our youth going over there. For example, like our, our youth baseball, third and fourth grade, all the way up to eighth grade, we have we've kind of went away a little bit from more of the Wisconsin stuff and we play Woodberries and Forest Lakes and North Branch over across the river. And it's, it's, it's called the Metro League or Gopher State. We have a couple different things that we look at um, or are, are take part in, but it's um, that's kind of where we gravitate to because there's more opportunity for our kids in a lot of cases. Yeah, that's really helpful painting a picture for us. You know, I'm down in the Milwaukee area and, you know, Minnesota seems so far away from us. You know, that's a, you know, four or five hour drive. And a lot of guys, they don't associate, you know, um, Wisconsin with Minnesota that often, but obviously you're right there, like you said, three minutes from the border. Um, tell us more about your program. So you talked about youth, you know, you're in the Metro League and, you know, you have some club infused in there as well. But when they get to high school, like give us that flyover view of, you know, how many kids are coming out for tryouts? How many levels do you keep? Uh, give us a little bit of insight into what the, the scope of St. Croix Falls baseball looks like. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. So, Again, we've been lucky the last couple of years, and I think it's kind of been one of our focuses is to build numbers. So we've been anywhere between like the 30s and 40s, at least the last three years. Um, my first year, we were probably more around like that 24 to 26 number. Uh, last year, we had 40 kids, which was really great. Um, a little bit stressful as a head coach trying to figure out how all your guys are going to get innings. But um, we have a skills day at the beginning of the year. All nine through 12 players are in the gyms at the same time. We evaluate them and we can go into that a little bit later, but um, we keep everybody, no cuts are made. And really we've tried to run three levels. We'll do a varsity, a JV, and we've kind of called it like a JV two. I don't want to say it's a complete C team because we'll have to borrow some of those JV oneers a little bit, um, but we'll run double headers. So I try to get creative. Um, I'll look in some of the Minnesota schools, um, Chisago Lakes right across the river is a little bit bigger than us. Otherwise, we have like some of our Prescotts and New Richmonds and stuff around our area. So we'll play some of their C teams. But honestly, a lot of times our lowest level, our JV2, is going to play against other teams' JVs. So it's a, a lot of good um, development there. They're getting innings. They're playing against uh, older, better competition or around the same level, I guess you would say. And then um, it just allows us to make sure that everybody's playing because we want to keep those numbers. Well, maybe take us into tryout week. You said you're going 9 through 12, a skills day right away, going yep. to evaluations, and it's more of a team selection splits versus, you know, cuts and tryouts. So sure. give us some more info on how you guys run that those first couple of days. Yeah, so what we'll do is um, pretty much everybody knows our throwing progression. We'll get a warm-up, a throwing progression, and then realistically, I, I'm lucky I have – a good, uh, a good amount of coaching staff. And I sometimes will ask some other outside people to come in and help, even if it's just running a camera. We try to video as much as we can of that skills day, whether it's, um, you know, hitting in the cage, we'll have bullpens going, we'll video our infield play. We have to get a little bit creative with our outfield stuff because obviously we're not able to hit uh, towering fly balls and stuff. So a lot of it's footwork, throwing into a net and things like that. 
Um, we'll try to run a 60. We'll do some sort of an agility station as well. And it just gives us a broad overview of like, what does this athlete look like if he's coming in as a ninth grader? Or what does it look like from the course of four years? Like, how are we developing our guys? How are we bringing them in as ninth graders? And how are they leaving as 12th graders? Are we kind of pushing the needle a little bit? I think that's obviously a big part of our job. And it allows us obviously to make up the best lineup that we have. So in the nine through 12, um, we play the best guys that we have, whether they're nine through 12 on varsity, just, you know what I mean? So that's kind of what we, we go with. It gives us a baseline. We get, we grade them. We kind of give them an evaluation. And a lot of times we'll just rank, you know, players one through 40 and see where they're at in different categories. And, and, and it just gives us kind of that foundation of like, here's where they are. Here's maybe where they fit right now, but we have some tweeners. I mean, every year there's a, it gets tricky. If you're a JV one varsity guy, you know, maybe you pitch JV one, but you are maybe a position guy for us somewhere else. You know, you may get two jerseys at the start of the year to see where we fit. And that just takes a little bit of playing with a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like continuity is there. Like you said, you, you start with that nine through 12 mindset. They're getting the same coaching. They're getting rotated through, you know, the benchmarks of what a varsity player looks like and so on and so forth. Once teams are made, you're handing out jerseys. Are you guys practicing together most days? Are you splitting time? I mean, you've gotten a master's degree in indoor practice based on your, you know, where you grew up and where you played and, you know, you don't get outside a ton. So how do you guys handle your indoor training? Yeah. So we're nine through 12. Um, like I said, so we'll use last year as, as an example, uh, we're all 40 together. Uh, last year I did something a little bit different, but ever since I took over the program six years ago, that was one of my major emphasis. Um, looking back at some of my original uh, plans here was we're going to practice everybody together because it's always going to be about like development of trying to make the best product. We have nine through 12. There's growth. We can see everybody, um, whether it's teaching and coaching each other or pushing each other for certain spots, everything's happening in one zone. Last year, we did a little something different. We have uh, our high school and middle schools combined. So we have our gyms that are pretty close and then we have a bigger hallway in between. So we actually took the late time slot for all of our indoors. I believe we had 21 indoor practices in a row. Um, so we did, we have a cage in each. And then that hallway oftentimes was being used for bullpens, to be honest with you. And we would have both gyms at the same time and we were rocking and rolling. We'd split up, whether it's infield and outfield in a different zone with catchers. And then we have our, our brand new, beautiful weight room with 25, um, 25 yards of turf. So we'll use that a lot of time for catchers. We just get really creative. Um, so we may not, I may not be able to see every kid at the same time, but it's all a part of the same practice. You know, you know another example is, is, you know, last year, our big stud, Braden Olson, you know, he was practicing next to a ninth grader that it might have been his first year going out. We get a couple of those kids every year. Now, obviously, I'm modifying to make sure Braden's not throwing a bullpen to a kid that just signed up for baseball. But it allows him to see another kid in a different light. You know, like it, he's been playing a lot of high level baseball for a long time. And it gives him that appreciation of like, this is my teammate. And he maybe just wants to be a part of something that's bigger than himself. And it allows some of our younger guys to be like, wow, that's Braden Olson. He's going to Purdue next year. I want to train and be like that. So looking at the indoor structure, 
Um, it's just been a lot of creative. My, my assistant coaches kind of laugh and joke at me. I I'll color code our practice indoor plans and I'm like drawing squiggly lines and doing all sorts of different things. And I, I mean, that's what I really enjoy is that, that um, preparation piece and the development piece and the training. So I'm always like, that's kind of my, my MO. I really like to get into that type of stuff. So. No, and that's very evident. You know, I think there's coaches out there that think, well, you know, we can't, we can only do so much inside. And oftentimes it's used as an excuse to not develop or get better or, Hey, you know, we'll just cancel today because it's the 21st day in a row or inside or whatever it may be. And it seems like you're looking at that as an opportunity to, how can we get more creative? How can we maximize time and space and optimize the resources we do have because we can't control the weather? Um, so tell us more about your program. You know, teams are made, you got late practice, you got stuff going on. Like, give us some more of the good, like, in inside St. Croix Falls baseball nuggets. Like, are there some culture things you're doing, some good fundraising ideas, yeah. youth nights? Tell us some more about your program. Yeah, sure. You know, as a young coach, uh, I would say that you hear the word culture all over the place. And it's something that I've really tried to dive into. I'll read some books on it. Um, you know, I'm constantly watching YouTube videos, listening to podcasts, whatever the case may be. There's just so much out there. And I think you're, you're trying to continually improve the culture and what your team looks like and what your program looks like. Um, and it can almost get overwhelming sometimes because you're like, am I doing it right? Am I not? What's going on here? Uh, but kind of my new philosophy a little bit on culture is like, it's kind of ever, it's, it just is continuing to go. There's not really a finish line to culture. So I think we're always continually like trying to work on it. I mean, this year, like with a lot of seniors leaving, you know, we're going to look a little bit different. Our culture is going to still, there's going to be some parts of it that stay the same, but yet there's going to be some things that maybe transition or maybe look a little bit different. Um, so we've, we've done some things like, um, like I said, I think practicing nine through 12 altogether is a huge thing for us. I think that's really good for us. Um, in 2021, the year we came back from COVID, um, I love watching all the um, Omaha challenges and things on, on you know, Instagram, YouTube and things like that. So quite honestly, we adapted our own, uh, we call it the Appleton Challenge. We've ran it three years in a row. Um, we do a lot of different things. It could be weight categories. It could be speed and agility. It could be team building. It could be like even just like fun little activities. Um, so we have kind of an individual feel of like trying to finish certain tasks. We talk about like on our hats, it says work wins. If you ask our players, hopefully they know what that means. Hopefully they can describe that a little bit, but that's a big key to that week. Um, and then we'll do a lot of team stuff, like teams that we, we accumulate points over the course of the week, teams get points and things like that. But it, what's cool is, is you, again, you see, Guys want to finish. They want to win the competition, whether it's themselves. And all of a sudden they put themselves in a team atmosphere. And then you got, you know, seniors that are telling you, come on, man, and, and pumping you up a little bit. And they then they want to finish for the team. And and we've adopted it where our guys like look forward to that week. And it's usually like our first week of practice, obviously, just with the time strains. And our guys love going through it and doing it. And um, they have a lot of fun with it. And it gets fun. We play some loud music. Um, it's a really fun week and things like that. You know, in the past, we've been able to, and our trips, um, stay in some hotels. We've been to Mostyn a little bit. Guys just spending time together. Last year, we went down to Mostyn, and one of the rooms up above was leaking water. So um, one room got sent to the, like, up on the fourth floor, like the uh, presidential suite of the Holiday Inn in, in um, uh, Wisconsin Dells, 
well, before you knew it, so all of a sudden someone's like coming up to me like, hey, our room's leaking. We're getting a new room. And they're like, don't know if I should tell coach or not tell coach. I'm like, well, it's above you. So you didn't do anything. So you're all right. So they get moved up to the presidential suite. And then our whole team went up there and there's pool tables up there and TVs and all that. And thank God we didn't get charged extra for that. But they're all up having fun watching sports on TV. And it was just a fun night to see last year's crew all kind of come together. Um, we've been to loggers games. Uh, last year we went to CHS field. We're able to practice on there and things like that with some alumni help. So um, that's some of the things we do kind of program culture wise. We've done some leadership council things. I'm a firm believer where, you know, I don't like to just name captains. I think it's important to talk about different leadership strategies and talk about, you know, so we will gather together as a leadership council. And sometimes it'll just be me asking questions of like house practice going, you know, what are some things that need to be known? Maybe some guys are going through some things outside of practice that we need to know about. And um, it's just more conversation based. And sometimes, excuse me, it's them kind of leading some of the things. So it's been uh, it's been fun in that category. Fundraising things. We've done a whole bunch of different things. When I first took over, we used to sell these gold cards. Um, we do signed sponsorships, which is probably one of our best things we've ever done at the field. We've been able to make a lot of good money. Um, we do game ball sponsors where I'll just go to local businesses. They give me $20, $25, um, and we put them in the program, say that they're a game ball sponsor, which has been really good. We've ran some bigger raffles at games and, and prize giveaways and things like that. And we have promotion nights. We do dollar dock night at the park, which we try to get a lot of fans out. We've done bark night at the park where they bring their dogs. I had to get special permission for that to make sure I was covering my basis. We do a senior night. Uh, we do a parent night as well. Teacher appreciation we've done in the past. We do pizza at the park. Local Papa Murphy's has come and we do a youth night where we try to get all our youth teams to come watch us play in a game and um, just do a lot of fun things like that. So, Man, well, I, thank you for diving into that because, I mean, it, it, you're running a community-based program. You're putting a lot of thought and effort into every aspect of your program you know, and it's taken me 25 minutes to ask you about your state t state championship season. So I want you to set the foundation for us. You know, just for for those you know listening, 2022 uh, runner ups, 2023 state champs. So let's spend some time there. Let's take ourselves back to Appleton. Um, maybe start with 2022, right? You guys ended runner up to Cuba City. Um, I'm sure you left that that experience with a whole range of emotions, but. What lessons did you learn from that 2022 group that maybe springboarded you guys into 23? Yeah. So actually it's funny you say that when I, when I left the stadium in 2022, as an, you know, we get on our coach bus and we had a four hour drive home and it, it's a weird feeling because nobody likes to lose if you're a competitor, um, but you're playing in the last game of the year. So it's like, should I, how do I feel in this moment? Cause you took hardware home, but it's not gold. And you have a lot of players behind you looking at you upset, you know, and it, it's, it's challenging. And you sit there and you think like, man, and it, it's kind of like, it's almost like you had something in your hand and it was like taken from you and taken nothing away from Cuba city. They played a wonderful game, great team as well, but you just, you want to finish the deal. So I took a picture leaving the stadium cause it was, it was a hard thing because as a high school coach, you know, you know, it, it, a lot of things could be lined up on paper and you may not make it back. We all know what a sectional is like. It's tough. 
Um, but I, I had a feeling of unfinished business. Like we got to make it back to this place. Um, and obviously a lot of those guys were juniors. Um, so we left there kind of with a taste of like, you know, and like our, we hadn't, done, we hadn't placed second in the state for many, many, many years here in St. Croix Falls. So you're just trying to put all that together. But I guess the easiest thing to say was unfinished business. We, I, we just wanted to get back and we had a lot of seniors returning for 2023. Um, I would say one thing I learned was number one is how important it is for high school kids to know what the routine of is like on the big stage. Um, understanding like when you get to a new environment and you see what state baseball is like, like once you're there, it's, it's so different. You're on a time constraint. Um, you have ins and outs that are timed. Everything is like set for you. Um, so you kind of feel like, okay, what was our routine and what was our plan? We made some changes to that, that I thought were better for us. Um, and then honestly, I think that we just, in that moment, even a state championship game compared to, and I know it sounds kind of like cliche, but it's just another baseball game. And I think I made it bigger than probably what it was as a coach of like, we got to go win a state title. So I think I was tight and my body language was probably really tight. And I probably was more on edge which, you know, your players take on that image and they take on that energy. And I think that we all played too tight and didn't play to the best of our ability. And that's one thing, like when it came to 2023, and I've just, when it comes to playoff baseball time, a lot of the coaching's already been done. They, a lot of the systems we know, a lot of all that type of stuff, like our guys know like what our philosophy is for offense and defense and things like that. Just let them go play, let them kind of play a little bit more at ease. Um, and I kind of do less of the talking and I'm just on that third base coach, just kind of being the field general at that point and, and having little conversations with guys, seeing where they're at and things like that. But I think you don't, I don't think you always have to be that you are a raw guy as the levels go up of I'm playing bigger games and things like that, because um, at the end of the day, you're playing baseball. Your guys know how to play the game. If you're at that level, just let them go play the game. Well, that's awesome. And that, you know, I think, I know I struggle with that too. You know, I get, I get, I want it so bad, right? I want it for the guys and, you know, you feel tense and your kids can feel that. And it takes some real work to bring yourself back down to, you know, you tell yourself to chill out, but, you know, actually doing it and not getting caught up in the moment can be difficult. So as I look at 2023 and, you know, tracking your guys' season and, you know, the dog pile and the gold balls and everything, I mean, no season goes on without some turning points or adversity or close calls or something. So walk us through some of those, you know, championship separator moments from 2023. Yeah. So 2023 started with, uh, you know, you, you turn the page on 22 and you're doing like paper interviews and things like that. And then you just turn the page to the next year. And like I said, it's unfinished business is kind of the mantra and you're trying to figure out, as the course of the year, you know, obviously kids are going through football or cross country, whatever their fall sport is and their winter sport and things. And, and things start to come out, right. You got your number one team in the state rankings, those come out. Um, and quite honestly, I think our players find out before we do, like, like it goes right to their Instagram or whatever it is. And then Max preps throws out some like top 50 team in the state or the 50, 50 States in the, in the country, the best team, whatever. So then all of a sudden there's a Fleur delay in Wisconsin and guys are coming up to me and they're all excited and things like that. So I really felt like there was a big bullseye. Um, but the biggest thing is like, we didn't shy away from those conversations. You know, we, we had open conversations about like, Hey, these are like the real things that are out there. And 
all these teams and everybody's going to see this stuff. We just got to keep on our course. We need to do what we need to do and what we can control to try to take advantage and, and do the best job we can do this year. So you start the year with those high expectations. There's no doubt. There's a lot of pressure. Um, you know, we're, we show up at a lot of games and we're the team that people want to beat, obviously, you know, cause we're the defending uh, runner up. So um, there was a little bit of that trying to harness, like, you know, you want your players to play with um, a lot of confidence, but you don't want to walk in like, Oh, we're just going to roll everybody and things like that. So I felt like in the course of the year, you know, our, our pitching was strong. We had a lot of guys coming back, but offensively, I felt like we were really kind of searching for our offensive identity. I felt like in 2020, 2022, excuse me, we really were hitting the ball and it kind of carried on throughout the whole course of the year. 23, we kind of started off by not scoring a bunch of runs, um, kind of trying to piece some games together. And then um, there'd be certain little ebbs and flows of our offense where um, there were some times where um, things just weren't well, maybe with some approaches and, and some offensive things. Um, but Ultimately, we, we just kind of kept on grinding. And then throughout the course of the year, um, we're able to hit stride down at state, which was which was good. Um, we took some losses. You know, we've lost at, at Spooner, one of our conference schools, the last two years. And I, I swear every time we go there, I mean, I'm almost it's our guys have this like different feel sometimes when we go up there. We're still trying to break that that curse a little bit. We go up there and um, and we usually take a loss to those guys in the last two years and you know, like in 2022, we were 13 and 13 and 0 and rolling and went up there and, and took a hard loss this year. We took a hard loss up there as well. Um, lost another one in conference this year and, um, and then lost to Aquinas to end our regular season here in 2023. And um, the score probably looks a lot worse than it was. It was really a tight game. And then we had a game where we just couldn't finish a game. We, we couldn't find the strike zone. Um, couldn't put together a last inning and they just went on a, a rampage of a seventh inning and, and really made us hurt. And, and the score looked pretty, pretty awful. I had a lot of questions down at state, like you guys lost to these guys pretty bad to end the regular season. What happened? And so, um, but along with that, you know, we're battling in indoor practice time a lot, you know, so 21 practices indoor uh, the last two years, you're just, I'm trying to do everything I can as a coach to prepare our guys. So that way, when we get out in the field, we're game like, so a lot of our indoor stuff, it's fast paced. It's very attention to detail and it's very game like, and there's some competition aspects to it because that's what we need. Because when we get outside, um, we really got to go. Um, I would say probably the biggest eye opener as from me as a coach. Um, so 2020, or I'm sorry, 2022, I keep screwing that up. 2022, um, we're state runner up and we have a lot of seniors coming back for 2023. And I felt like, you know, we start off the year in a, in a team meeting and we show a dog pile and there's a lot of excitement and we talk about goals and all these types of different things, but it really hit me in May. And we had a team meeting with the seniors because I felt like there was so much pressure and they wanted to be, we got to be like 2022, you know, we, we got to do this just like 2022. There was all this comparison in 2022. And I felt like it was just unhealthy because we weren't really being the best versions of ourselves, me included. You know, um, it was pressure on me to try to do certain things, pressure on our guys. We finally just had a conversation um, and it really hit me like, hey, this is a new year. So my biggest thing, I've had a couple coaches ask me some questions like yourself. 
year to year, I don't care what your roster looks like or how many guys you bring back. It's going to be a different year. It's going to be a different feel. And at some part, I mean, I think you have your key components to what your program looks like, but the identity from year to year looks a little bit different. Um, So we sat and had a real conversation in right field. I can still remember it on a sunny day. Seniors are getting ready to graduate. And I said, here's the deal. If we keep looking like, or if we keep trying to be like 2022, we are not going to reach our full potential. We need to be the best 2023 U.S. seniors. That's all we need to be. And then the team's going to follow suit of what that looks like. We focus more on being the best version of ourselves, talking about like, hey, this is your chapter of seniors to write. You finish it. You put the work in. Let's write it all together and let's go on. A, let's let's write your own chapter, but it can't be in the shadows of 2022. I think that was probably our biggest obstacle. And once we kind of thought in more of that mindset of one pitch at a time, just bettering ourselves 1% better every single day towards the course of the year, I really felt like we came together as a unit. We're best versions of ourselves and they just enjoyed playing the game a little bit again. And, and it was fun to watch those guys come together as a unit. That's incredible. Um, looking at some of the notes you put down, you talked about the Cumberland sectional of last year. Um, maybe you know, bring us back into those moments, you know, when you're that, that infamous Tuesday, which again, I would argue with anybody in the state of Wisconsin, that, that sectional Tuesday is the craziest day in Wisconsin sports. So bring us back into Cumberland sectional 2023. Yeah, no, it, I agree with you. I, I'm, I'm pretty good friends with Andy Neese at Eau Claire Regis and we talk and uh, we room together at the ABCA again this, this year. And we talk about like, nobody understands a Cumberland or I'm sorry, just a baseball sectional, uh, two games in a day, hot. It's, it's always 90 plus degrees. It, it's just like, there's never. Um, so I'll take you a step back further, actually. Uh, we got the first round by, and then we're playing a home game against a conference opponent, Cameron. Um, beat them twice in the year. Know that they have a good pitcher. Um, in 2021, as a freshman, we beat him 1-0 at the Cumberland Sectional. And um, again, we had beat him earlier that year. We beat them 1-0, and he did a really good job. And, he, and I know he's been a good pitcher in our conference, a lot of times we don't always see them based on, you know, how our game structures, we play 18 conference games, which is a lot. So um, knew we were going to see him, hadn't seen him yet that year. And uh, we, we threw our number two when we saved Olsen for number one at the, or we saved our number one Olsen for the, uh, hopefully the regional finals. So we throw our number two, who's a really good pitcher, won our state title game, does a phenomenal job. Uh, pitched a heck of a game. They had a hit down the line. They score one early. Okay, they're up 1-0. And uh, their stud from Cameron was pitching and just rolling. We made three critical base running errors on the bases that guys were just trying to be, you know, aggressive, which we don't try to harness too much because we want like a smart, aggressive approach, but just things a little bit out of character. And uh, and all of a sudden it's a sixth inning and I'm going, wow, like this is going to be, uh, this is going to be kind of crazy to see how this kind of unwinds. And I'm on third base coaching box. I mean, it was probably one of the most stressful coach more than the state championship. Cause there's that pressure, you know, cause everybody knows that you got your guys back. Um, and uh, there was a pickoff play at third base with one of our guys at third base that actually uh, scored our, our tying run. And we went on to win the game later. Um, so I mean, talk about just how things kind of happen. I mean, it was just wild. Um, and then the next day we show up and 
and have a hitting affair and, and it's a short ball game and we do a really good job. So it's just, again, I think just like that Cuba city game, we, we were playing with all this pressure because we knew we were going to see a certain guy and we just weren't taking a good approaches in some aspects and things like that. So, so that was a real stressful time, but I would say when I put in my notes about the Cumberland sectional, I think as a young coach, so I've, I've been lucky enough to go to three sectionals in a row. The first one's super exciting because you're like, hey, we made it to the Tuesday and it's super fun. Um, and then the uh, 2022, you're like, okay, I have a little bit of an idea of what this looks like. Let's try to approach it in a certain way. And again, last year, I don't think I enjoyed being at a sectional as much as I should have because of that pressure piece. Like when the final out happened and we were going to state, I almost felt more of like a sense of relief. And that's been something I've reflected on. Like, you know what? We're dealing with high school kids. I don't, I, you know, if I'm putting added pressure on myself, which I know we all want to compete and do the best job we can. I guess I just wish I would have enjoyed that Cumberland sectional just a little bit more because you see all the guys excited and things like that. And I was like taking, I could have probably been on an oxygen tank or something. So it was kind of funny. Oh, that's awesome, man. We appreciate that, right? So then you got to, like you said, you, you you throw your one, you save your one. When you have a one like Braden, you know, like it probably puts you and your coaching staff into some some really decisions because I think all coaches go through that. And, you know, what do you do? What if it doesn't work out? But what if it does work out? And, you know, if it's talking with Andy with his guys or any other coach across the state with their guys, like it is such a case-by-case basis. And anybody that I think that says, hey, this is how you do it, guarantee, I, I just think maybe he's got to listen to some other models that are out there. But, um, you know, 2023 is in the books. You know, you guys do, you know, bring home the gold ball. You do all that stuff. This great group of yours, this historic group graduates. And then you turn the page to 2024. So I'm excited. Like, you know, you were just down in Dallas at the ABCA. Like, what are you working on this offseason? Yeah, sure, sure. Well, first of all, um, I've heard some of like, again, I, I'm kind of a nerd when it comes to watching videos and things like that. So a lot of these big time coaches will talk about like getting to the top of the mountain and how it's a, just a blimp or a time in your life. And then all of a sudden it's like back to work and things kind of happen. Um, I remember after the state championship on Thursday, four days later, it was kind of like, all right, so that was over. And people are still talking about it, but I think your your mind shifts towards the following year, continuing the program, what can we do better? Um, what's the new crew look like? And, and really kind of how I'm wired is I'm always trying to ask myself questions. I'm trying to better myself. I'm trying to learn. I'm trying to question why do we why do we as a program do certain things? Can we be more efficient at certain things? Can we be better at certain things? What are some things I want to change? So that's kind of how I start the year. And then I just go into kind of a uh, straight learning approach of just trying to figure out, ask questions. Um, I'll look, watch videos. I'll cold call uh, people throughout the state or people in other states. Me and you have talked at uh, the WBCA about base running stuff. I just always like to ask questions. Um, and I'm not afraid to call some of the guys that have been doing it for 30 plus years, five years, whatever the case may be. Um, so along the lines of that, um, I'm, I'm trying to look more into the base running thing. I think that at the high school level, the base running, if you can do, if, if you can be an A plus in base running in our state, I think you put yourself in a really, really, really good position in a lot of games. 
Um, so I, I think oftentimes everybody talks about hitting an offense, but um, it's more of an offensive um, structure or system. So I'm trying to work on our offensive system a little bit, make some changes on what I want to see with that. Um, how can we really take advantage of some of the defenses and uh, just make it hard when we're on the base paths? Um, I've dived a little bit more on like a personal level of trying to be more self-aware of empowering our players. I think in the grind of a baseball season, sometimes um, it's easy sometimes. And we see it, some of the coaches we coach against or whatever the case may be of like showing, like trying to like showing up negative or being negative and things like that. And just, I've been trying to focus more on like empowering our players. And I think we as a coaching staff do a good job of that, but being more self-aware of, on a daily basis. Um, just kind of talking more about the process of learning and growing and, and working with high school kids. How can we instruct and teach better? How can we train? How can we set up better um, training uh, systems or, or places? Um, I've dived into infield. That's pretty much what I do. Uh, I do a lot of the infield play here at St. Croix Falls. Infield play and hop selection, I've really dove into. Um, I think that's a missed thing. Um, from a lot of cases. So I've really tried to get to be as, as good as I can with like infielders with footwork, but also hop selection and how those two correspond to make a better infield. And then just um, a little bit about like hitting approach and, and uh, like tracking things, trying to become better, uh, better hitters. All right. So I was going to cut you off, but you were rolling. I want to go back to something you said. Um, like, and I remember having Ryan McGinnis on here years ago, you know, multi-state champions. And he was talking about, you know, they won the state championship. Kimberly, they come home. And like the next day he's at summer school doing hitting leagues with, you know, nine-year-olds. And it, as you were talking about like the emotions of reaching the top of that mountain and then just a couple, you know, three, four days later, it's like, now what? I think a lot of us and maybe all coaches – like they think once they win that state championship or that conference championship or whatever they're chasing, that their life is going to be different. So maybe dig into that for us. You know, you've worked your butt off. You know, you guys have earned this. Like, what did that feel like to watch your team to have those moments of winning a state championship? And maybe what's something people get wrong about, you know, reaching the top of the mountain? Yeah, sure. Well, number one, I've been you know, super grateful to have players that at the ability that we have, and then that have bought into our system that we're trying to, to work with and, and, and teach them in essence. So I think you need both of that. You need things to go your, your way, and then you need to have a culture. Um, so again, going back to that culture piece, another thing that I've thought about, and, and it's kind of like in the back of my mind is like, no matter what, if you think or talk about the culture of your team, whether it's with your coaching staff or whatever, if you, if you spend time focusing on it or don't, your team is still going to have a culture. Does that make sense to you? So like, you're still going to, if you don't have any, if you don't do anything with like trying to build a culture, a culture is still going to be there. It just may not be the culture you want. Um, so again, that's been one thing that like, just trying to improve our culture every single year. And we're not perfect by any means. I mean, there's plenty of things, even after winning a state title, I think sometimes that like, Oh, you won a state title. It was clear sailing. It's like, no, like you still have the, the roller coaster ride of a season. Okay. 
Uh, but I've been lucky enough where players have bought into our system. We've had some good um, players um, and just a fun group of guys to be around. Um, if you take a look at some of the emotions of watching um, or winning a state title, which again, I'm super lucky, especially at a young coach being able to do this. I feel very grateful, but I think watching the dog pile. So showing, showing a group of young men, 40 guys on the first team meeting, a picture of a dog pile and seeing that happen at the end of a, at the end of a game, like of, a, of accomplishing something that is so hard to do. I mean, it's like you get emotional thinking about it because it's just such a great thing to see. And then you see a bunch of, of high school players, some guys going to Purdue, some guys going to play college football off of that crew. Some guys, they graduate. That's the last time they ever play an organized sport ever. You see a bunch of guys collectively celebrating together. Nothing else in the world matters. They did it together. They did it for each other. And it was like one of the, one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Okay. So it's like, wow, this is like amazing. And again, like you just take a step back. And I was just like, I was, I felt like I was just a fan viewing. You know what I mean? Like I felt like my celebration, I guess you would say, was like watching those guys do it because it was just something that you put a lot of work in, but they put a ton of work in and sacrifice a lot. And parents and family, I mean, there's so much sacrifice that goes along with it. Um, to see that happen and ride the slide down at, at all at the ballpark and things like that was just was was truly amazing. Um, but it's not the finish line. I don't think if you want to be a coach in the long run, like it didn't change my life four days later, you know, if I didn't take out the garbage and things like, like I still had things to do. Um, so it, it, it changed my life where I accomplished something and watching a team that I coached accomplish something. But, um, if you are banking on that to really kind of be your like warm and fuzzy feeling of why you're coaching, um, as many of us know, there's only one team in each division that wins that last game of the year. So if that's what you're, you're banking on to, to make it worth it, I don't think that that's worth it. And I think as a young coach, it's been good for me to see that because, you know, I don't know when the next time I'll be there is, and that's just reality. But, um, the development piece of young men and, and players, I think is, is more of needs to be more of the focus and, and, molding young young men i mean as our buddy sheets would say that was your certified audio gold moment matt that's unbelievable like if you could bottle that up and and give that to coaches or give that to assistant coaches or players like i think that's what people get wrong about this is you know we're at the high school level this isn't a here comes a five million dollar bonus and now another opportunity to go to a bigger and better job i mean you know, you're, you're teaching PE, you're back in there again. Like it, this is just a part of your journey and to have that perspective at any age, I think is, is really powerful. Um, you know, and, and it just leads me into like my last question today and you have given us so much so far, but like, you know, and I know you're a young coach and you've acknowledged that, but like along the way, it seems like you're a, a glutton for personal growth. You are just have that growth mindset. You're always reading, you're always learning, you're talking. You by no means think you've got it all figured out. You're confident what you do. You're always trying to refine it. But like, what is something that you know now that you wish you knew, you know, when you were getting started six years ago, taking over this program? Yeah, no doubt. So I'm going to 
I got a couple things. We're we're rolling. So um, number one, Sheets. Uh, I don't know if you saw. He's doing a uh, on Twitter. He put up a uh, coach's mentorship. I don't know if you saw that, but I'm doing that. Um, I've actually had a conversation with him. He's a great guy. Um, so really excited to do that. And then the second part, which I, I I really appreciate all the kind words and things like that, and and kind of my view of things. Um, the number one thing I'm going to start with, and this kind of will lead into your last question is like, I want it to be known that I've made plenty of mistakes in the, in the, uh, almost six years that I've been a coach, plenty of mistakes, you know? And, uh, I think that without making those mistakes, I don't know if I would be where I'm at now. So I think you have to make those mistakes. Um, I was not an assistant coach, uh, for a high school baseball program. I hopped right into, to being a head coach, um, and, and you think you have it all figured out, right? I played college baseball. I can do this. And all of a sudden it's like, there's like a train that hits you in the side after about week one or two. And you're like, Whoa, 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 I got to back up. And, and uh, so, so again, it's just kind of always trying to do something a little bit better um, in regards to um, being a young coach. It's just um, asking those questions and trying to, trying to do more good than bad. I think is an easy way to put it Um, to answer your question about things that I wish I knew when I started coaching, you can't change everything at once. Your number one, 2019, I came in like a madman with a whistle and I was going to, I stopped practice and we're going to run sprints for punishment, things like that. So I think I just kind of, um, I thought I had to change everything like, boom, I got to change everything right now. We got to flip everything. Um, and it took time out of practice. So I, I think the development piece of a baseball player was missing some things. And I think it hurt my relationships with some of those early, probably those first one or two years of, and then COVID probably had a little bit of to do. So you can't change everything. Um, kind of pick out what your main focuses are, whether it's philosophy of a team or offense, defense, bunting, how you swing, whatever. Pick out your absolutes, whatever those are, and focus on those. You can't just change everything um, because I think kids kind of turn around and look lost. Excuse me. Um, I think number two, you are the heartbeat of your team. We touched on a little bit. Like you're the energy of your team. So if you have bad body language, and and I'll be honest with you, full transparency, there was probably times last year when I was feeling pressure that I had bad body language. Well, if I look at it, is that maybe some of the games that we struggled to, you know, play good defense or did we lose or I mean, whatever the case may be, like, I'm sure that that had a huge part in it. So like, you're the heartbeat of your team. So what you say, your energy level, um, how you act, how you treat umpire, all those types of different things, like your kids are going to follow suit of what that looks like if you're doing things correctly. So I think as a, we can just do some daily check-ins with ourselves and, and maybe be more positive in certain areas and things like that. And again, I'm not perfect. This is something that like is on my docket of what something I want to improve in 2024. So I'm still working on it. Um, C would be uh, don't overcoach. I think uh, in 2021 and then even a little bit in 2022, I think again, when in high level games or high pressure games, I think it's easy to overcoach. You want to win, you're competitive, and it's easy to kind of filtrate that into your players. And then all of a sudden they get uptight, nervous, and things like that. 
again, I just take a step back, let them play the game that they know how to play. If you've done the work up to the playoffs, you know, the cards are already on the table. Just let them go a little bit. Okay. And then uh, D I have is uh, practices are for coaching and instructing and training. That's kind of, I, I mean, I love the practice scene. Um, don't get me wrong. I love competing, but training environments are, is, and maybe that's the strength and conditioning background a little bit, but I, I love coming up with training and figuring out how we can develop our guys. So practices are for the coaches and, and uh, for the development piece, games are for the players. Let them go out, let them do the things that they can do. If, if you got a guy starting at shortstop, he's there for a reason. Let him play the game, um, have some little sidebar conversations and things like that. Um, empower him to do the best job he can do and utilize his strengths. All right, man, you crushed it. Thank you. Hey, um, it, let's just like that almost an hour went by. Uh, congratulations again on all the success. Thank you for hopping on the show with us. Um, and we'll see you in Madison in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Yeah, we'll see you there. I, I really appreciate you having me on. I, again, I just, as a young, young guy, it's just super, super grateful to be on here and, and for a lot of the kind words that you have said and a lot of the people in the baseball community. Um, I just, I wouldn't be where I'm at without asking questions and a lot of great people in the baseball community. So always trying to grow that baseball community. So I, I welcome anybody who wants to kind of join the fraternity, fraternity as they call it. So just want to make connections, build the game and um, just keep having fun and, and coaching baseball and trying to build young men. And there it is. Huge thank you goes out to Coach Volt for taking time to sit down with us today. Um, you know, just really different perspective. Again, a, a lot of us, um, different parts of the state of Wisconsin, you know, but dipping his toes into the Minnesota side um, over on the border is really interesting as well. Okay. And I get, I just, I mentioned it in the intro, but I just, it does a phenomenal job with the resources he has. Um, you know, has had some really high end talent come through, but also has just, Fill out that roster with kids who love to play, who are really competitive. Um, you know, kind of guys like him he talked about when he played. Uh, found a way to get it done, um, scrappy, and that's just the kind of guy he is. So um, phenomenal stuff. Again, reach out to Coach Volt. He's got uh, he's full of, of great information, uh, points you in a, in, a, in a great direction as we look forward to this season and um, 2024 and, and moving forward. So. Uh, once again, listeners, thank you. I appreciate it. You know, there's a lot of content you could be listening to right now and, you know, to listen and um, to the feedback from other coaches and to see the downloads on my end is just is really awesome. And, you know, I get a ton from these episodes as well as I prepare for, for our season down here in Menominee Falls. But um, just across the state, just so many great coaches um, and then how, how they're connected through this game, that fraternity, that brotherhood is just awesome. So uh, until next time, have a great rest of your day.